Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the first ever live recording of the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. Uh, and me, Spencer Locker. And for those listening on the Hubcast and not watching the video that we're recording, we're video recording our first ever Hubcast in the Hubcast room with our own equipment, and we're yeah. all excited. I think it's a bit of an occasion. It is. I, I was going to it feels like Wayne's World now. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, is usually we make faces at each other and yeah. take the piss out of each other. Yeah. But people can see us yeah. now, so yeah, we're going to have to be on. No, we're not going to have to be on our best behaviour. Well, our Dave's yeah. not here. No, Dave's not here. He, he makes up the three amigos. He's mm. currently actually working for a living down down, <laughs> no, down in Newbury delivering to a customer. So it's yeah. just me and you, Spence. Right, yeah. We haven't cool. got any topic. Well, I, actually, I, I think I'd like to introduce a topic, topic, if I may. Okay. Since we started doing this, I mean, since I've I've been working here for what, just just short, well, year and a half. Is it really? Yeah, nearly two years. <clears throat> and, How would um, you lasted this long? Well... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Fake it till you make it, eh? <laughs> yeah, great mentor once said that. Um, right, so, yeah, so I've been working here for, what, a year and a half, so, uh, so on and so forth, whatever. But the thing is, what um, the developments that we've seen in that year and a half, not down to me, I hasten to add, but down to the, the progression of the company, um, working multinationally now, working uh, across the world, um, actually working the other side of the world, uh, the T2 Hub, yeah. which is a fantastic sort of resource that a lot of people are buying into. Uh, we've got uh, different products, the Road to Social Mastery, there's the Mental Health. The, uh, all these different things have, have sort of come in in the last sort of year and a half. Um, so there's been a bit of a journey. But even say, having said that, I don't think anybody's actually, apart from the occasional magazine and possibly the occasional blogger or or podcast nobody's actually sat down and said martin johnson why 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 what's it all about i mean we know we get the martin johnson bloke who parks outside our house come from brands home all that all the good stuff all the the stuff that we have when when we do delivery but properly why come on give us a little bit more detail tell us a bit about the journey well i guess um you know me well Mm as does everybody else who works here, as do the customers, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm slightly hyperactive, slightly being the worst. <laughs> so slightly, Every yeah. so slightly hyperactive. Yeah. I have a bit of a um, a mentality of, and I've said this before, Spence, I have a bit of a mentality of, if something isn't growing, it's dying. And I sort of always taken that philosophy with me in business, right. yeah. i.e., it's all right creating products and services, gathering a, a small team, getting yourself a, hand, a you know a handful of customers, and being in business. Mm. But if you're not constantly evolving, challenging, questioning, creating, then you're you're dying. It's the first day of dying if you're not continuing to grow. Mm. So I guess I've always had this mentality of it's not enough. We say it out there on the floor. We have a really good month, or we we win ten new customers, or we onboard a new customer to the hub, and I and we and we celebrate and have a joke, and then I say, "But it's not enough." Mm. And 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 there's a little tongue in cheek joke there, but there's also that mentality of 
you've got to evolve. You've got to grow, otherwise it's the first day of you starting to die, if that makes mm. sense. I yeah, know that sounds yeah. like a grim phrase to say, but it's just my mentality. And I guess in business, it pays off for me. In mm. business, it pays off because we constantly drive, innovate, and evolve. Yeah. In your personal life, if it goes to the extreme, sometimes you don't take time just to sit in the here and now and experience and appreciate what you've got, yeah. which, believe me, my wife is working hard on telling me, <laughs> on showing me that. So I guess um, I guess that if that answers your question, yeah. that's probably why. I suppose, yeah, I suppose it's like the it's sort of the shark analogy, isn't it? The shark's always moving. When the march, when the shark stops moving, it dies. Yeah, uh, and I know it's one of those sort of sort of potentially um, you you could see that analogy coming out. And I know they always use aggressive animals, don't they? Mm. When, when you look at your motivational posters and your sayings and all that, it's lions and eagles and sharks. Yeah, nobody's got a motivational. Um, saying about hedgehogs, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, do you know what? Talking about animals, there's a there's a great analogy that I, I, I've heard on a video or on a podcast or something before, and I heard it really early on when I started to get into personal development myself. But have you ever heard of the lobster analogy? The lobster story. I may done, but go on, enlighten me. The, the lobster story is one of these classic analogies, mm. metaphors, but it sort of makes a salient point. And I don't often sort of embrace and like these types of stories, but right. this one really sort of hit a nerve with me. Mm. And it was talking about the lobster's journey from being sort of, what do you say, born? Is a <laughs> lobster born? Well, right? but, yeah. but a lobster's journey through life, they, they start off as a very small lobster. Now, a lobster underneath the shell is a very squishy, yeah. vulnerable, yeah. could probably be eaten at any point type yeah. of creature. Okay. But the hard shell, as we know, gives it its protection and its home and its mm. security. But the analogy goes that as the lobster grows, feeds mm. and evolves and grows, mm. it starts to become, the space in the shell starts to become, you know, Small scarce, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the lot as the lobster keeps evolving and growing, it fills the shell and it mm. gets to a point where it doesn't fit anymore. Mm. So, at that point, if you think about evolution, the lobster can either stay in the shell and not grow anymore, mm. or it can this is what lobsters do in you know mm. in, in real life is it can go to the seabed, it can shed its shell, which right. means that it's taking a risk. It's becoming exposed and yeah. vulnerable yeah, yeah, I get that. for a period of time until yeah. it creates a new, bigger shell, which yeah. allows it to continue to grow. Right. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So my sort of view in life and my uh, sort of view on risk and on growing businesses and on whatever it is, taking on challenges, challenging yourself, is that type of, an of analogy. When you outgrow the current environment, mm. You've got to take some risks in the short term to make that environment bigger. Yeah. And I think some people are quite happy to get to a certain size of shell and maintain that. Hmm. But that, for me, is the first day that you start dying off. Right. Okay. I get so, that. Yeah. so not you know, some people might be listening to this thinking, yeah, it's all well and good. But listen, it, it, it works for me. It works hmm. for us. Yeah. I mean, a part of this is I've got a great team around me like yourself and Dave and Katie and Claire and Lydia, we've got a great team who may not necessarily, by your own admissions, operate like that yourself. Well, yeah, definitely not. But you're quite happy to go with it mm. if I operate like that. Yeah. And that, that and that commitment and contribution mm. allows the next level or the next big thing to succeed yeah. if everybody buys into it. Yeah. 
So that's very much, I think, whether we've planned it or not, how we operate. So where do these genius ideas come from? And when I say genius, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not being, a, I, don't, I don't want to sound patronising or, or, or kissy-kissy or anything like that. But the thing is, I was sat there, I, was, I spoke to you the other day about it. I'm sat there and I'm listening to you over the last 18 months coming out with these ideas and I'm thinking, where did that come from? And within three to four weeks, let's say, of this idea be happening, if it's viable, there's action happening. And within three to four months of those three to four weeks, we are seeing something tangible. Yeah, the the, the hub, the the different uh, the different days that we 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 uh, the, the sorry the different experiences that we offer and things like that, all come really from you. Yeah, from your head. Well, you mentioned something there, something there about action. Yeah, I mean, first of all, my brain works in a way where I'm constantly thinking twenty four hours a day about what could we achieve. Yeah. What could be possible? I mean, mm. really bizarre. I mean, there's stuff in here that haven't that hasn't come out yet that <laughs> we're going to embark on, right? <laughs> but I'm constantly thinking about what's possible because I have this little thing where the minute people tell me it can't be done, I'm like, okay, game on. You know, when people said you can't write a book, mm. or you'll what, what, what do you know about writing a book? Or you can't build a technology. You don't know. You're not a developer. You don't know the first thing about technology. Mm. Um, it just sort of triggers something in me that says it can be done. Right. It absolutely can be done with a bit of. Uh, courage and a bit of thought process and the right people around you and a bit of time to understand what you're doing and and, and research what you're doing. Yeah. So I think I, I have a, a a little bit of that in me, but I think you mentioned something there that I am, if, if I was to summarize how I've navigated my way to this point in business, it's I take massive action. You know, inaction, uh, loads of ideas, but inaction is the classic state that some business owners entrepreneurs leaders whoever mm. it might be get themselves into because they want it to be right they want to they want it all to be perfect and thought through so there's no risk and when there's no risk they'll feel confident in then taking action yeah the reality of the world is there's always risk so those type of people with that mindset never get to the point where they're comfortable enough to take the risk and therefore take massive action i'm quite comfortable with an idea and a vision mm. Don't get me wrong. It makes me say, you know that I do look into stuff and yes, I do yeah. make sure quality is right. I do. Yeah. But not to the nth degree. There's a yeah. point where the, the leap of faith, faith is a small enough one for me to take. Yeah. I.e., we had a discussion two, week ago, two weeks ago about we've always um, you know, outsourced our filming yeah. for all of our professional videos. Yeah. And I've sort of been scratching my head thinking I could save myself a lot of money, right? If we could find a way of producing our own video, mm. how hard can it be? I mean, these how guys, hard how can hard it can it be? I'm sure this will, this will, <laughs> but you know, I know that film production companies and are very skilled in what they do. Mm. But if you look into it enough and you buy the right equipment and you have a go, then it's possible. Yeah. Two weeks later, We've spent a fortune on equipment, and we're now filming live, right? Yes. So, so the point is, is, is it's always going to be a leap of leap of faith. The idea is to make the leap of faith a small one, and then take massive action, right? And and yeah. I guess, I guess that's what I try and do, right? And, and you've always got to look at your worst case. What's the worst thing that can happen here? Mm. I spend two or three grand. We can't do it. I sell the equipment for one or two grand, and I go back to my film production company. That's mm. my worst case. Yeah. So when you think about that, it's let's give it a go. Yeah. Or I write a book and my kids love it and my wife loves it and nobody else loves it. That's mm. the worst case. Right? I was quite yeah. happy with that worst case. Yeah. The fact that we've gone on to shift 3,000 copies or mm. whatever is a bonus. 
or we create the hub. Now, that was the biggest one, the T2 mm. hub, the online platform. You're going into an area that we traditionally is not my skill set mm. or our skill set, yeah. but we know it's going to transform the way we're able to deliver to our customers. What's the worst that can happen in that scenario? We make a hash of it. Yeah. We spend 50, 60, 70 grand on an MVP, a minimum viable product. Mm. It doesn't fly. It doesn't go to market and nobody buys it. What's the worst that, that can happen? Well, are you willing to write off that money or are you willing to spend more money to fix the MVP to then get it right second time with yeah. valuable feedback from the customers? Well, in both those scenarios, you know, you, you, there's still a way forward. Mm. So I think if that answers your question. It does. Yeah, it sort of does. I'm just... I'm just like because obviously one of our things that we do is looking at people's unconscious motivators. Yeah, and uh, when when we start looking at people's uh, print scores and things like that, uh, you get a pretty good idea about what sort of what sort of people they are really. What 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 motivates and what 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 gets them out of bed in the morning. And um, for you, for your unconscious motivators, you're an eight three, aren't you? Yeah. Which for people who don't know what oh, you're yeah. talking about is. Uh, the unconscious motivator. There's only nine things we can be motivated by as humans, yeah. as we know, and uh, they're n- numbered one to nine. It's, mm. it's from print from the Paul Hertz Group yeah. in the US. And um, my particular score in terms of what drives me is an eight three, which is to be strong and, and self reliant, yeah, and to succeed and achieve, and to succeed and achieve. Um, but but neither of those numbers uh, suggest a sort of creativity. Yeah. But yeah. maybe, is it creativity or is it just thinking outside the box? I don't believe this. this uh, you've, you've put me on the spot there, but it's a really good question. I wouldn't say I'm a natural creative, hmm. but I think there's a difference between creativity hmm. and vision. Some, yeah. pe- some people might say they're tied in together, but I think... I'm a visionary. And because you've got that eight, you're strong, you believe in that vision. And because I've got the three to succeed and achieve, yeah. I'll find a way right, to, yeah. to, 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 in the creative process to make yeah. it work. But I don't think I look at things like some people do hmm. and can uh, and can and can be solve complex problems and be really creative and out-the-box thinking and all these buzzwords. I think I have a vision of what I want to achieve. I think I'm a visionary. Mm. So the end game for me was I want to write a book yeah, or I want to have a technology platform to deliver to our customers or I want to have my own hubcast yeah. or whatever it might be. The, the vision of that and me visualizing what that looks like is what I do, Yeah, I think, what is what I tend to do. Um. I then have the second thought, which is how the hell am I going to achieve that? Yeah. Or, But then I don't get too bogged down by that because mm. my theory is there'll be someone out there who I can work with, collaborate with, or utilize or mm. pay to mm. be able to get me to the vision. Yeah. Of course, the more we can do ourselves, the better. Mm. And we do. But I'd say I'm not, I think I'm more visionary than creative. Right. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? It does. It does. Makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. When we actually chop it up and dice it up and look at it from, Different ways, yeah, it does make sense. A visionary with with uh, confidence in their own capabilities and the visions that they have. Yeah, and, and I'll give you an example <clears throat> of why I say that. I went to our software development partner, yeah. a great company in in this region called Strawberry. Yeah, 
They've been fantastic for us. And I went to them and I said, I've mocked up a slide deck of mm. what I believe our T2 Hub, our online platform, should look like. And yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Right? Yeah. I thought my creative juices had been flying. <laughs> and I just, they weren't even going to alter it. I thought this is going to be, they're just going to go, I love it. Let's make it a reality. Yeah. And I took it to the designers and the developers at, at this agency. And they sort of sniggered. And I said, what you like, what you're sniggering at? And they said, no, it's okay. But what we will say to you is by the time we finish with the design, it's going to look completely different. And I'm like, what's wrong with mine? <laughs> right? This looks fantastic. And uh, and they just they just smiled it off. And and anyway, uh, three weeks later, they did their work. I went back and they presented the T2 Hub uh, designs. And that's creativity. They designed something that I was I could never think about. And in a color scheme that I would never even imagine would suit our brand. Mm. And that I think they're the creatives, but my, the initial thing was my vision. And, and actually that if you're ever working with an agency or you're ever working on a product, good, good um, customers for an agency are the ones who know what they want. They know where they're heading and the end game and what it needs to do. And they get out the way and let the creatives do what they do best. And I think hopefully, I mean, if you spoke to our good friends at Strawberry, they might tell you a different experience of working with me yeah. when I'm on my high horse and driving deadlines, et cetera. But, you know, that, that's that's what, why I think it worked well. Good, good. As you said, collaboration. Mm. Somebody can bring somebody to, something to the party to achieve, mm. to realize the dream. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, collaboration. How are we doing for time, by the way? Yeah, we're all right. We're on 17 minutes. We've got 17 few, minutes? Yeah, we've got a few minutes left, or we've even got uh, a bit longer if you want. I yeah. mean, I guess one of the things I wanted to um, probably throw in the mix of this conversation mm. is sales. All right. Okay. Yeah. Talking to another business owner who I know recently about sales, mm. it gets, you know, sales is a dirty word to many people in many senses, mm. not a dirty way, but it's got that old stigma attached to it. This, yeah. oh, we've got to do sales. We've got to call people. We've got to hassle people. We've got to, you know, it's not that, but this is what fundamentally I think we've done well at T2. And mm. I use the word we, the royal we, yeah. right? but we generally um, is we've never, ever taken our eye off the ball of how important sales activity is for a startup or a new business. Yeah, You can have the best products in the world. You can have the hub. You can be an author. You can have a great team around you. We can have all the great uh, experiences we deliver, like the yeah. human iceberg, the social mastery days, yeah. the team building away days. You can have all of that. But if you can't sell it or you can't attract customers and bring it alive in the mind of the buyer, then it counts for nothing. Yeah. And I know I'm like a dog with a bone on sales, but sales is the engine that drives everything. Yeah. And my, 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 my sort of challenge or my advice to organizations out there, not just mm. startups, but people who have been established or the mid-sized businesses, mm. ne never take your foot off the, the, the new business sales generation mm. activity. You know, are you a sales-led business? I always say this. Are you a sales-led business or a demand-driven business? Mm. Are you a demand-driven business who has 20 core customers and you have repeat business and upsell within those customers and it, yeah. and it pays the bills and puts you a profit margin aside and you're quite happy with that? Mm. Or are you somebody who's constantly looking to scale the business up by being a sales-led business? And I believe all businesses should be sales-led. Don't believe in demand-driven. Some mm. people who have operated in certain industries who, who specialize and have a niche product might argue with that. Mm. But like I said earlier, if you are not growing, you are dying. And it mm. only takes you to lose one, two, three, five percent of those customers and you're on the decline. Yeah. That's when you're making redundancies and mm. taking cost out of the business. So I think as long as it's whether it's done on a fast scale or a slow scale, I I think what we've tried to do is be a sales led business. Yeah. 
know, we're, we're constantly driving that activity and making sure mm. that that's the number one priority month in, month out. And without wanting to step on um, Dave's toes. Uh, and he's not here he's to not defend here. himself. Um, but me being a, a not that sort of au fait with, a, a, with, with some of the things that he's been talking about with sales, is it the right sales rather than sales at any cost? Yeah. The hard sell. Yeah. There's a there's a right way of selling and there's a wrong way of selling. And I suppose, and correct me if I'm wrong, that equates to getting good results and not getting good results. Yeah. Well, you said there's there's good sales and bad sales, and I guess um, you know profit is profit margin is is the most important thing. Mm. Now, actually, cash flow is the most important thing. Right. Cash is king. You can survive without profit for a month or two or whatever period of time, but you cannot survive without cash. Right. So, so, so t- payment terms are incredibly important. I see small businesses who we've worked with or we advise who go wrong because in, tr- in the trades industry or in competitive industries like recruitment or uh, solicitors, lawyers, whatever it might be, or transport or whatever it might be, people are fighting for the business so they're undercutting. Yeah. What they then do is extend payment terms for their customers. If you are offering services on 60 to 90 days payment, you are a fool. Mm. You are a fool. Because you can survive without the profit in the short term, but you cannot survive a single month without cash. Mm. And what payment up front, payment in advance for services, at T2 here, we're very busy <clears throat> and we're very popular. But yeah. we always, if customers want training or engagement programs for their organization, they sign a service agreement and they agree to block out the days for the future and all the prep work in advance paid on 30 days. And we so we've always operated like that. We mm. don't go out to ninety days payment after the the the, the engagement's been delivered, mm. because then you've incurred the cost all the way up front, mm. and you're in a, a really tricky cash position. Yeah. So I think um, I think I was just going off on a tangent there, but that that's a piece of advice in yeah. my opinion. But coming back to your point, is there a good sale and a bad sale? Yes, there is. Um, and I think we've got to make sure that we're working with organizations where we can truly deliver value and a difference rather than a transactional product. Yeah. There's nothing wrong if you're in the industry of delivering transactional pro- products, but where can you offer that service-led element, that differentiation? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've had some inquiries in here. We don't often do it because we're pretty rounded and well-versed, but we've had some inquires any of that we've turned down because it's just not us yeah and we and we would be fudging it to try and take yeah. it on and i'd rather i'd rather be honest and not do that than do it for the cash yeah so yeah i think i think it's not as easy as people think and i think then we're not even talking about sales approaches sales methodologies mm. um un- uncovering the uh, you know the most important needs of the customer yeah what are the true business outcomes of most or true reasons most companies buy. It doesn't matter what you're selling, mm. you could link it to the four main reasons buyers buy. Yeah. And not many people do. They try and sell their products based on features, functionality, benefits, discounts, mm. all of this stuff. Yeah. But they're not selling based on the problem they're going to solve for the customer. And there's only really, when you whittle it down, I mean, there's yeah. hundreds of problems or opportunities customers want to solve or exploit. Mm. But really, when you whittle it down, you can whittle it down to four reasons. Right. As a CEO, mm. there's only four reasons I would spend money in this company. Okay. Go on. <laughs> I was hoping you was going to ask me that. <laughs> um, number one, can you help me increase my sales revenue? Right, yeah. Does your product or service help me increase my sales revenue? Yeah. In any way, shape, or form. If it does, mm. either directly or indirectly, 
I'm listening. Yeah. Number two, can you help me reduce my costs? The bigger yeah. you get as a business, the more it costs. Your yeah. overheads rise. You've got costs. Costs are as important as the sales. Yeah. Sorry, selling more, but if it's costing you a fortune. So yeah. number two, can you help me reduce my costs, become yeah. more operationally efficient? Yeah. If your product or service can, directly or indirectly, mm. I'm listening. Number three, can you help me wow my customers or deliver better products and services to my customers? Yeah. If your product or service directly or indirectly helps me do that, I'm listening. Yeah. And the fourth and final reason that people will part with their hard-earned cash and their profit is can you help me engage or develop my people? Can your Does your product or service help me and my people be better at what they do and more productive? Right. The four reasons buyers buy it. They're business outcomes. Hmm. They're on the agendas of CEOs, MDs, directors. Yeah. Can you help me make more money? Can you help me reduce my costs? Can you help me wow my customers and deliver better products and services to my customers? Or can you help me retain, engage, or develop my people? Four big reasons mm. that buyers buy. I mean, you've got some other things like expansion into mar new markets and new product research mm. and development, but they can all link into those four. Yeah. And what salespeople make the mistake of is they don't feel comfortable in having business-led discussions like that because they mm. don't understand it. Right. Companies don't train their salespeople on how an organization works and what an organizational structure looks like and what true what's truly on the agendas for executives. You know, so they go in, they have product-led discussions. This is what we do. Mm. This is how we do it. This is our pricing. This is the product. They're not they're having a product-based discussion, not a business-led discussion. Because the minute you understand that that company is trying to save 10% year on year or double the size of their organization, or they've got a huge capability gap in their in their employees, mm. the minute you can latch onto that, that's a true critical business issue. Mm. All you've got to do is clever, go on that mission of discovery and link back to how your company, your product or service can help them mm. fix their number one priority. Right. That's the key to it. And mm. and, and there's, there's a little bit more to it than that. No, we're going to say, yeah. But I, I would um, I would implore organisations out there, no matter how small you are, to have business led conversations. Yeah. When we have a meeting, you've been in with us, Spence. Mm -hmm. We never say, right. So, you know, we're T two and we deliver leadership training, and we have the T two hub, and we have this and we have that. We don't do that. No. We sit in front of a customer and we, sit, and we build we build rapport. We understand the social sciences, mm -hmm. and then it's a case of going on that mission of discovery. Mm -hmm. So, where have you come from? Where are you heading? What are you trying to achieve? Who's responsible for that? Yeah. Where are you now? What's your, what's your current plan on how are you going to fix that? Right? You know, all of these questions, open and probing questions that uncover the the true um, goal that the business is trying to achieve. Customer requirements at the and end of the day. then we can start to link it back hmm. to what we could potentially do at that time. Yeah. To, 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 you know, to help them solve it. And again, it's quality focused rather than quantity focused, isn't it? Yeah. So bloody else, you've got me going back into my old sales days and my, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. But you know, I work for an, an amazing company called Gartner. Yeah. And I worked for a few companies before that one in particular where you got scripts and sales training and all the rest of it. And, and it was okay, but I went to Gartner and I'd never had development like it. I was qualified in, in value selling and, in NLP and all of this stuff that allowed me to understand how to effectively get the best out of the, or, or, or understand what customers want and progress a partnership. That's the word, a partnership, not a transactional sale. Right. 
And I think that put me in good stead when we uh, when I started here at Trans2. Cool. Good stuff. Excellent. Well, I think that's a good start. I, <laughs> I was going to say, a, we've got one minute, two minutes left. I was going to say, there's, there's a lot more we can talk about in future. Uh, but yeah, thanks for that. Nice little insight into... Uh, well, that 27, that 27 minutes has passed. <laughs> to say we were just going to do our, our video and you, we didn't have a topic and you spring on me an interview, I quite enjoyed that, Spence. Good. Good. Thank I'm you. glad you did. So did I. Good. Well, okay. maybe next time I'll interview you about your uh, military days and about SAS Who Dares Wins and all of that great <laughs> stuff that probably maybe. people are more interested in. <laughs> no. Deal? I'm interviewing you Okay. Next. Yeah. Fair enough then. Good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, well, end of the part. Well, you do your bit. You, you've got it in front of you. So you well, because the, the people are listening to this and not watching this, we better do the wrap up, haven't we? Yeah. So that concludes this Hubcast. Yes. And um, we enjoyed it. We'll post it on the Hub for yeah. people to listen to. I'm sure we're going to post, post it to social media yeah. for the uh, social media to watch. And uh, we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. Spencer Locker. Thank Martin you very much. Martin Johnson. Thank you very much. Thank you.